If you ever watched the Terminator movies, you'd know that Skynet eventually turns against all the people and it gets absolutely catastrophic. Are we getting close to that Skynet moment between Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos at Amazon, or even our own government, uh, what they're doing uh, to study brain science or uh, focusing on the internet. The internet used to have so many possibilities, but just recently there was some uh, ruling in Texas that could ruin the internet forever. So we're going to talk about all these things. So grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. Welcome, bold Americans. Let's get started right away today. We got a interesting show based on AI, the internet, and what we know now about the idle mind and the brain and what we can see through the MRI machines. Uh, so sit back. Uh, here we go. Let's get started. First and foremost, we got to talk about the internet. When I was in college, the internet was uh, this thing of endless possibilities. If I wanted a song, I could find it on the internet. If I, if I, wanted to find an article from 1985. Likely somebody had placed it on the internet. It was easy to find. Search engines such as web crawler were very uh, available to us. While not perfect, people were putting up content at a record pace and the world was becoming smaller. And as a result, there was this feeling that, wow, I, I can now be connected to other individuals across the country, across the world in a way like never before and information became freely disseminated, for better or for worse. Well, in Texas, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals just ruled in net choice versus Paxton. Now, this court case is, uh, <laughs> this is a horrible ruling, I believe. It states that once an online platform gets more than 50 million monthly active users in the United States, that First Amendment rights are no longer valid regarding their editorial decisions, which means companies like uh, Facebook, Google, Instagram, whatever it may be, that those individuals now are no longer allowed to moderate the content on their platforms. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're, you're probably going, well, look, uh, we do need free speech in these ways. Uh, and we see that the FBI now has meddled in the affairs of the social media companies. Those stories have all come out over the past several weeks. So that should justify this, right, Greg? No, it, it doesn't. You know, if there is a terrorist recruitment video that could be seen by young, impressionable eyes, I would like to believe that content can be moderated and pulled off without being told you violated a First Amendment right. If all of a sudden uh, somebody wanted to tell a young person how to uh, join a gang and what they needed to do, I would hope that Facebook would pull that off, that that activity wouldn't be something to entice to a young person. Or if pornography was placed somewhere, I would hope that the social media companies could pull down that pornography before a young person could view it uh, and reduce risk to minors. I would hope that that's the case, but according to... Andy Oldham, 
That is not the case. He's the judge on the United States Court of Appeal. He also was the former general counsel to Texas Governor Greg Abbott. He's the one that has made this decision that it's now censorship. I will say that the government should not be involved in telling Facebook or any of the other social media companies what they can and what they cannot host on their content. That is a censorship of government interfering with First Amendment rights and interfering with businesses that are privately traded. And I don't believe there's any place for that to happen in society. Now, if somebody has a critical user base and they start taking away the free flow of information. You know what people are supposed to do in the free market? It's funny that this is a Republican principle, and yet this ruling is anything but a conservative ruling. What people are supposed to do is boycott the place that's violating your rights. If you don't like Facebook and you don't like what they're doing, you have every right to not use it. Sure, I know what you're thinking, but then you're cut off from everybody else. That is correct. But if enough people hold Facebook accountable, for their actions, guess what? They will reverse course. Same thing with Twitter. They will reverse course. This is the way the free market works, especially in private companies, that when people demand better and they hurt them where the stocks are, the businesses respond. Not the government getting involved saying, all right, we got to decide that this is a First Amendment issue. They have 50 million users plus. Uh, they can't. They can't take things down. They can't censor somebody. No, I'm sorry. It's still a private company. As much as you may want to change things, our constitution and the rights of private corporations exist for a reason. Now, if it's a public source and if you have the ability to start a public source, then yeah, you can have all the free speech that you want. But this uh, is a decision that could completely destroy the internet. If this is upheld and the litigation continues through, your internet may no longer be the free place that you want it to be. Because now all these companies have to worry about, okay, am I going to get sued? Am I going to be liable based upon this ruling? Solely because um, I felt like I should be protecting uh, a young person from seeing content that's illegal? Or, you know, should putting a weapon up illegally <laughs> on online in order to be purchased? Uh, should a company not be able to take that down because they have 60 million users or 50 million and one users? This is ludicrous. A horrible, horrible ruling to, to deem censorship uh, in this case. This is not censorship. Now, I'm not saying that the companies aren't doing censorship. No, certainly Twitter taking down Donald Trump and saying that he couldn't be there. I believe that was censorship. Uh, taking down people's COVID information that they were trying to put out there, many times factual information. That is censorship. I understand what they were trying to do in Texas with this ruling. But just because I understand it doesn't mean that I agree with it. Just because I want the companies not to be doing this doesn't mean that it's right. It's not. So this is a law. Um, that I, I think is going to um, backfire in horrendous ways. And I'll give you an example of why this is a bad idea. All right. So first, say that you are Facebook, and now you're worried about anything that you take down could be considered censorship because of your user base per day. 
As a result, you stop taking down that content. Then somebody's getting bullied, somebody's getting bullied even worse, and then eventually that leads to a person uh, committing suicide or taking their life. And previously, Facebook would have taken down that content and said that it's, it's hateful content. You may disagree with Facebook that it's free speech, but I think that we could all agree that trying to keep this world as a nicer, gentler place isn't a bad thing. Not everything's got to be political. Not everything's got to be, you know, all about the government and politicians. So thinking about this in this way, what's Facebook going to do to turn around and react to it? Uh, how are they going to handle it? And then we can also look at the uh, section 230. Section 230 is the Communications Decency Act. All right, now many people have uh, had many th thoughts about what they should do, whether it should be taken down or whatever, but that act makes it very clear that all websites have editorial control. It actually tells the platforms in this language that if you're not the author of what people are writing and putting up, that doesn't mean you can't clean it up. That doesn't mean you can't get rid of stuff you don't like. It's the reason why if somebody writes something on your Facebook wall, you have the ability to take it down. That's the reason why that's there. It's You have the ability to say, nope, I don't want that on my wall. That's part of Section 30. It sets up that ground rules of what can happen online. And it really helps to keep the toxicity, so to speak. I hate that word, but I'm going to use it today. It helps keep the toxicity low. It helps keep things a little bit more even keel. Anybody who remembers a chat room in AOL days knows that it was a hateful place where people would immediately go age, sex, and location. And then when they got in a disagreement, they'd be like, meet me at blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm, we're going to fight. <laughs> the, the internet trolls have been around since the 1990s. That is not something that was just coming into play here in the most uh, recent decade. So uh, this ruling, I, I think it's bad for the fact that uh, it puts the freedom of innovation of the internet. It, it, it really holds it back. Um, I'm all for you. You want to write something and keep it up and you want to create a platform for people to do that. You want to pay for the servers to do so, or create like a, a paid membership. Uh, that's fine. Isn't that kind of what uh, Donald Trump was trying to do with truth social? Although that, that company is in a bad financial uh, situation right now as well. They're not doing well. Um, but, you know, if you, if you look at all the different things that have been posted on social media, almost everything comes back to First Amendment rights. And so to state that when somebody gets to some arbitrary number, all of a sudden your First Amendment rights disappear as a private corporation, as a private company, that's just completely wrong. It's not something that I can support. You shouldn't support it either. If you believe in the Constitution, believe in the Constitution. The Constitution doesn't say somewhere that after you reach a certain spot that you lose a right. And it, it, that shouldn't be the interpretation, whether that's a Republican, a Democrat, it doesn't matter which way you're leaning. That should not be the case. All right. Now, uh, the other part of this. Have you given thought to the Internet and the videos that do get taken down, videos of people getting murdered, uh, school shooters that did live broadcast, they take those videos down. Um, there's been uh, things such as child pornography that people have tried to put up, uh, content that tells people to harm themselves. 
Once somebody reaches 50 million people, you're going to tell me that that company is not allowed to take that down and monitor it? That all of a sudden, that First Amendment has to be made so everything's legal? Um, Yeah, I get that it doesn't matter. Horrible speech is legal. Um, But I don't think what they understand, that their action and what they're doing is now you're allowing a platform for something that's never had a platform in the past and that probably didn't have a platform for good reason. And so this whole thing's going to have probably a large legal battle. The Supreme Court will likely need to get involved here. They're going to have to decide what the framework might be so that way we can figure out how to handle it. But the one thing that I, I think is clear is we're going to have to have a conversation about who's allowed on these platforms, what's allowed on these platforms. Should the private companies be able to do whatever they want to do? Uh, Depending on your ideology might depend on your answer. But at the end of the day, we're going to have to come to an agreement of this is what's allowed. Maybe that will be at the detriment of one political party over the other. That might be the case. Maybe uh, one political party wins that argument. But making people aware that these are the rules, this is where things are going, that might be helpful. However, what the uh, Texas ruling states, uh, it's eventually going to limit free expression. It's eventually going to change the direction of our politics if we continue to not address the political issue and keep making this a people issue. That's the truth. We continue want to say that this is a um, issue with the people and the content that they're posting. But when it comes down to this is a political issue, it really is. Um, I think we can all agree that the content that I was talking about should not have a place where young people and impressionable people can view it and, and take it in. But that's where we find ourselves right now in 2022. Now, we're also starting to allow not just the Internet <laughs> this this whole wired of information that is out there about ourselves but it seems that all these companies want to collect as much data about us as possible and i've talked about this before but amazon today talked about a new home robot and i don't think that it should be lost on anybody that the same time that amazon's making this announcement it's two days before tesla will start talking about ai day where they're going to talk about the Optimus robot that they've been creating to to try to have some autonomy in order to do tasks at Tesla plants. And so that's going to be a conversation as well as some new brain science shows us what an idle mind does. We're going to talk about all that on the second half of the show. So we'll be right back in just a few moments. You're listening to America emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America out loud network. In 2008, the amount of concentrated time people could spend on a task without becoming distracted was 12 seconds. Five years later, it was only eight seconds, one second less than a goldfish. The digital age is narrowing our attention span. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Advanced nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-based 
fact ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.5 proves it works. Supercharge your brain and see the difference. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. That's HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day. Yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has, creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense, an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. Welcome back from the break, Bold Americans. All right, so I want to talk about what we're allowing into our lives as far as gathering data on us. I am what I would probably self-consider an early adopter of most technology. I think most kids that grew up into adults like myself uh, would probably agree with me that we were marketed to extremely well. And I'm going to kind of put my journey. So in the 1980s, when Super Mario came out, Super Mario Brothers and Nintendo, uh, my parents, you know, we got one for for Christmas, like many other uh, children. Before that, I had a ColecoVision while my friends had an Atari. And ColecoVision and Atari didn't have the grip on me the way that Nintendo did. Nintendo all of a sudden was this completely different world of games that was a blast to play. People would be coming over to the home. My brother and I would play. And this system, you couldn't wait for the next game to come out. And then when the Super Nintendo was announced, everybody ran out to get the Super Nintendo. Eventually, we got the Sega Dreamcast or the N64 before then, Nintendo 64 the Dreamcast, the Xbox, the PlayStation at the same time, then PS2, now we're on PS5, right? And we're on the Xbox Series X. The graphics continue to get better. And as a result, I became an early adopter of technology because every time new technology came out, I noticed that my enjoyment level rose as well. I was enjoying games more. Uh, When Sega Dreamcast came out, I was able to plug into my uh, telephone port in my dorm room and play with people all over the world. I was able to play video games with them. And so the world became smaller all of a sudden. And so this connection, I believe was very, uh, very well to groom those of us who are in our forties in order to just not question the technology that's being put in front of us. You know, Apple comes out with the iPhone. Uh, 
I was one of the last people to get an iPhone, I think, or be bought into it. I was team BlackBerry back then. Everybody else is like, yeah, but get rid of the keyboard. It's so much better. And I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it, but I finally got the iPhone. And then guess what? I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I was late to the party there, but that stated, I was still updating the new Blackberries, the touchscreen Blackberries. I've thought that I was keeping up. I thought that I was still on the, the right side. And so as more technology has come out, um, I've normally been one of the first people to get it. When an Amazon device comes out and people all of a sudden are using the word Alexa and trying to get her to talk to us and get answers or Siri to get answers, I was one of the people doing that. I was like, this is fascinating. You know, close the, the pod bay doors, Hal, and see what Siri would say back. When they created the Dot or the Amazon Echo, I was the first to buy those devices to have those speakers in my home where I could ask questions or the show. I got the Apple Watch, put it on my wrist, and now I have data on my heart rate, my pulse, my, my breathing rhythm, my oxygen level, whether I'm walking in symmetry or not walking in symmetry, getting health data on me 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Well, we're continuing down this path now of autonomy. It's almost like the Jetsons, right? If you ever watch the intro to the Jetsons, the, the robot picks them up, showers them, brushes their teeth, feeds them with the little pill thing, sends them on their way. Well, Amazon today made an announcement that they have, just like Jetsons, a robot called Astro. And the idea behind Astro is to anticipate people's every need. And so in their display today, it's kind of like a... Uh, a tricycle-looking wheel with one wheel that kind of can move it around and a screen that can display that looks almost like a, a, a tablet, modern-day tablet with a camera. And there's cameras up top so it can see where it's going. Um, and it looks like that this is going to use artificial intelligence, a bunch of sensors with the computer chips to follow you around the house and figure out what you may need and to go get you what you may need. It has a periscope, so it can see over top tabletops to be able to see you. Uh, it can map your home using the sensors that are in it, so that way it will avoid obstacles, it will avoid pets that are in the way, chairs, etc. And then you could also log in and control your robot remotely and have it go do things. And why would people want this? Why would people want this machine underfoot? Well, Amazon says it's because you might need kind of a watchdog when you're not home. And this would help you keep an eye on your home from afar, that you would still have something that can move around. If it came across a stranger, it could call the cops. It's not meant to kill people, right? But it's simply meant to help your safety, to make things better. I would say that this is part of where I think technology is finally going too far. This is where early adoption and I, the, we need to part ways. Once we are allowing a robot that can freely move around our house when we're not there with a camera and do what it wants to do to collect information about us and it's going to some server somewhere, you have given up your security. That's correct. You've given up your security at that point in time. I'm fine. If you want to put cameras around your house, close it up on a network, keep it secure for your well-being, that's fine, well, and good. 
But when you ask Amazon, a private company, and didn't we just talk about private companies and how the government now is saying, we got a problem with these private companies. And the courts are ruling, hey, let's take away their First Amendment rights. Uh, they don't have those because they have too many users. What do you think is going to happen when everybody starts having this type of information being gathered on them in the United States? What type of laws will Texas need to pass to have the Supreme Court? Now, I would probably agree at this point, but if people are stupid enough to put these into their homes, and guess what? We are stupid enough because I've been stupid enough to do it. So I'm, I'm there with you, right? If we're stupid enough to put some of these things in this home, we've got issues. On my watch now, I can put medicine alerts and it will ask me what medicine I'm taking. Think before you put what medicine you might be taking. Now, you know, if you're on like an antibiotic and you need to take it, it's a short term. How did you get by before your watch? You should probably rely on that because do you want Apple knowing whatever medication that you need to take? Do you want them knowing about whatever your blood pressure is, your cholesterol or whatever it may be that you have personal needs for? When are we going to say, you know what? My business is my business and no one else's. And so Tesla, right? Elon Musk's company, they have an announcement on Friday coming up here. So tomorrow that the Optimus robot that he's been working on for the past day, uh, past year, that they're having an AI day where they're going to talk about how far along they've come with a humanoid robot that he wants to launch sometime next year. This robot is five foot eight inches tall. It's 125 pounds. And it looks very much like the uh, robot humans in the movie, I robot. They look very similar to that. Uh, he says they have a top speed of five miles per hour. Um, and it's capable of lifting 150 pounds while using eight different cameras to see its entire environment. It's using the same computer that controls Tesla's cars and to do their self-driving, except this is probably a lot safer. <laughs> People are cheering this on, but let me tell you what this is going to do. We are going to get into a uh, post-AI world. We're going to get into you know post-humanism. Uh, what comes after being human? When we start enabling AI to do our jobs, what are you going to do? Are you going to sit at home all day and read books? What is your side hustle going to be? How are you going to earn money? Because if you haven't thought about this yet, then you're really not thinking about what life may become. It's one thing if all of a sudden these robots are going to go to work and you can still have income and still figure out, hey, I want to go to the beach today. Hey, I want to go to a foreign country today. Well, that's great. You got freedom. You can do whatever you want to do. But somehow that doesn't sound like what the WEF and all these other people have in plans for us. It doesn't seem to be the case. Instead, it looks like we'll be sold. Look at how these computers, these AI robots, these humanoid robots are doing all these tasks that were dangerous for people before. Meanwhile, all those people that are getting paid very good money are out of a job. They're looking for new work. And the workforce the need will become smaller and the supply will become larger. And what happens when there is not a lot of need and a ton of supply? That's right. You guessed it. The cost goes down. When we have too much supply and not enough demand or, or and too much, uh, yeah, not enough demand. I said that right the first time. That means the cost has to go down to create demand, meaning we'll have to take lower paying jobs in order to Make sure that we're employed or the entire world will need the change. 
So when we look back at this time period, 2022, maybe this podcast can serve as kind of the apocalyptic vision that I'm having right now, that we are at a time of post-humanism. This isn't transhumanism. This is literally our defining moment of the last time it means to be truly human. The last time before we had uh, robots and AI, other sentient beings in a sense, they're able to think for themselves on the same level that humans are thinking, because that's what we're seeing right now. It's maybe not quite as complex, but it will get there. Trust me, it will get there. And we'll look back and go, do you remember the last time we were human and had to rely on ourselves? It's a good thing we can rely on AI. And that I think is a sad thing because there's a wisdom to people. There's a wisdom to the way that our brains are plastic and able to bend and learn new things. At least I believe my brain's able to do that. Hopefully your brain's able to do that too. I mean, if you're listening to the show, I'd say you have a pretty plastic brain and you've been thinking pretty well. Uh, otherwise, it probably wouldn't have jived well with the content of my show to begin with in my interviews. Um, so Tesla is going to make this announcement, right? They're, they're going to uh, try to say, hey, we're, we're getting ready to go into this AI world. Now, the thought process is that during this big surprise on Friday, that they're going to employ thousands of humanoid robots in the factories. That's going to be the big announcement. So I'm ahead of this announcement by 24 hours. If it doesn't happen, I was wrong. Then it means my sources are wrong. But they're calling this bot Optimus. I kind of like that name, Optimus, only for the fact that I was a big uh, <laughs> Autobots fan, the Transformers, right? Optimus Prime. Um, but Reuters was re uh, reporting that right now they're looking to uh, hire about 20 positions. And the whole reason they're doing these are to develop Optimus to be able to employ. So when Tesla starts employing these uh, bipedal robots that can walk around the factory, lifting 150 pounds without getting tired, doing the boring tasks that people are like, well, I kind of have a boring job, but it pays well. Guess what? You don't have a boring job anymore and it doesn't pay well because you're going to be sitting on your rear end at home thanks to this development. You want to know more? Just talk to the people working in fast food that have watched the automated systems take away their jobs as well. I think it's important. Now, this AI will also help the cars, as it learns, be able to drive themselves. Um, that's always been Tesla's plan. He, wa he wants a machine that can build a machine. He wants a car that doesn't have to be driven. It drives people. People can sleep in the car. They can get to where they want to go safely. And that's all well and good. But I like my freedom. I like getting behind a steering wheel, knowing that the possibilities are endless and that I can go wherever I want to go. I don't like the fact that software could tell me I can't go somewhere one day. And for people that go, well, you know what? I think you're overreacting. I don't think that will ever happen. The, the car will always take you exactly where you want to go. Really? Is it going to take you that shortcut that you would have taken? Is it going to take you away from traffic every single time when you know a better route that maybe the maps haven't figured out? No, it's not. That's, that's the reality of things. And so we're giving up our freedom right now to hit the post-humanism, the post-humanism world, the, the dawn of the humanoid world the dawning of where humans start to become not as important. 
I don't think humans are ready for that either. I don't think that they're ready to be told they're not going to be important. Now, talking about humans and our role in the world and everything else, here's something that's going on in the world that I thought was highly concerning when I saw this story. This is going to be a passing story. You can read up about it yourself. I don't have all the details, but almost half of all bird species are declining globally, and about one in every eight birds are now threatened with extinction. Um, Bird species are, are really in trouble. And so the ecosystem of the earth um, is really out of line. I don't know. I mean, we're building development after development. We're taking away um, the, the agriculture to put in uh, new buildings and businesses. The logging businesses have gotten larger because to keep up with demand, there's just the over-exploration um, that, that's going on out there. There's so much about our human growth and uh, what we're doing with radio waves and everything else that um, bird life is is really dropping down. There's now uh, 2.9 billion fewer individual birds just in North America than there were in 1970. We have an almost 30% drop of birds in the United States. And you might say, well, that's a funny story. Why are you focusing on that? Because when one part of our ecosystem goes out of whack, it all goes out of whack. And this is the same, like this, the point of when we start having robots doing our jobs, that's taking what it means to be human and throwing that out of line. What's that going to do for people's mental health when all of a sudden you're forced to sit there and be idle? And so there's a new story and my final story for today, wrapping it up. They are now able to scan the brain to see which parts of the brain receive blood flow when you're performing a task like playing the guitar or you're touching a button or typing on a keyboard or getting ready to say a certain word. Um, they're able to see, hey, look, there's that part of the brain that's lighting up. It's called an fMRI. That's the name of the test. And when they look at the difference between blood flow between the numbers of typical levels of blood flow in the brain, they can see what's lighting up, what the um, what the activity may be like, right? Well, when they were doing these studies, what they discovered is when somebody's mind is not engaged, when they are resting in the scanner, the brains showed a lot of similarity with the brains of people that were... Uh, performing specific tasks. So if they were performing a specific task, similar regions of the brains would be engaged. However, when they weren't really doing anything, they continued to be engaged because the brain had been engaged in that way, if that makes sense. Okay. Now, if somebody instead was thinking about their identity or thinking about their past or thinking about how other people felt about them when they're like spacing out or daydreaming, guess what? As we're doing that, we saw that the blood flow in the resting state there was not as active. It was not as getting. So when you're engaged in daydreaming, engaged in the past, right? Uh, we saw in the study that we're manifesting anxiety and unhappiness. And so seeing this blood flow and seeing what they were doing, they... They further researched and they put meditation in and they found that meditation and psychedelics 
return people back to the task-based or the happiness of just sitting quietly in the task base and seeing the blood flow, that it wasn't the same as the idle mind thinking about the past. And so what we're discovering right now is that our brains work best when we're living in the present moment, that this Eckhart Tolle new age type of stuff, the power of now is actually scientific. We're, we're now able to see it on a scan and understand it. So before we go all post humanism and we start bringing Amazon and Tesla and anybody else who wants to put more technology to gather more things that's only going to cause us to think about, gee, what I eat yesterday instead of living in the now, we may actually be making people more depressed and more anxious into the future. And maybe it didn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out for FMRIs, but that's the case. And so we need to tread carefully, whether it's how we're going to handle social media in the future or the importance of being an early adopter and what you're giving up in terms of your security. We all need to pause just a little bit and think before we say yes to that new device that comes into our front door, because that new device may just rob us of our humanity and that day may be coming sooner than later. I want to thank you for listening today. I know you had many things you can listen to, but you chose to be here. And for that, I am grateful. Thank you with gratitude. You've been listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. Mm-hmm.